Hello and welcome to Foundation Stones from Refuge City Church. Having a solid foundation for our walk with Jesus Christ is vital for every Christian, especially in the times we live in. Through God's word, candid conversations, and everyday application, the aim is to help you build your foundation so you can stand strong for God every day. Buckle in and prepare your heart. Pray this, God, ready my heart for your truth that I might be more like you. We hope today's episode empowers you to grow in your walk with Jesus. Let's dive in. Hey there, everyone. It's time for Foundation Stones. This is Jim Weaver, the worship and administrative pastor at Refuge City Church in Klamath Falls, Oregon, and I am your host for Foundation Stones. Today, we're releasing this podcast the day after Independence Day here in the United States, the 4th of July. This is the celebration that we all enjoy, lighting off fireworks and having barbecues, going to the lake, getting a couple of days to just rest and reflect and walk in gratitude for the freedoms that we enjoy. And you know, I've often thought about this holiday in the light of our great United States and how easy it is to take for granted the freedoms that we have received. We live in such a time where we have ease of commerce and supply for the things that we'd like to own and for the freedom to just jump in a vehicle and go just about anywhere we'd like to go at any moment we'd like to go there. And really, this is a pretty unprecedented time in the world. This is something that for us is normal, but even just 100 years ago was something that you would have never guessed you could do. You can get on an airplane and fly to the other side of the world in a day and that's a pretty amazing thing we can go to the grocery store and we can fill up a cart full of food any kind of food we want we could have the greatest meats and desserts and uh, fun food to eat and enjoy and pick up supplies and and really do anything that we want to do and and yet I wonder how often we really stop long enough to think about what a privilege we have to enjoy the things we enjoy to own the things we own to do the things that we do without even a second thought. You know, in our Christian walk, we do the same thing. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we enjoy an element of freedom that honestly, if we were to allow ourselves to dwell on it, is miraculous. Today, I want to talk to you about the price and the beauty of the freedom that we enjoy in our salvation in Jesus Christ. So to piggyback on the patriotic theme that we're all enjoying this weekend and into this next week in terms of celebrating the birth of the United States, I want to talk to you about the freedom that we can receive from Christ Jesus because we recognize that scripture tells us that we are in bondage until we receive the salvation of Jesus Christ. We're in bondage to sin. We're in bondage to death. We're in bondage to deception. But when we have Jesus, when we have made him the Lord of our life through putting our faith in God, we have experienced a freedom that is an eternal freedom, a freedom that's beyond what we enjoy as a patriot of a great nation. It's the freedom that we enjoy being set free from the bondage, from the chains of death that separates us from eternity with God in heaven. What an amazing gift God's given us, the opportunity to step into his eternity, into his presence, into his purity because of his love for us. We've talked a lot about that in podcasts prior, but I want to show you today in a little bit different format the kind of freedom that Jesus provides for us. We recognize that Jesus is God's son, God in the flesh, who came to earth to live a sinless, 
perfect life, to die a criminal's death, to defeat sin, death, hell, and the grave in those three days that he was dead. And then he came out of the grave victorious over every amount of bondage, death, sin, sickness, all the bondages that we can see in our present life and in the one to come. He's given us eternal liberty, eternal freedom. In fact, in in the Bible, in Galatians, it tells us that it is for freedom. It's for the very fact that God wants us free, that he has made us free. And so what does that freedom look like? What are we free from and how do we walk in it on a daily basis, even in a time, even in an era where the bondages of sin and death and this world seem to be heavier and heavier and the chains are more and more restricting. So today I want to share with you out of Mark chapter 5. I'm going to do a little bit different kind of a format. Instead of giving you an outline, I'm actually just going to do a verse by verse through a portion of Mark chapter 5 because I want you to see the heartbeat of your Savior. I want you to see his passion, his desire to be able to set the captives free. You know, one of the things I want to pull out for us today is that Jesus is interested in us being free individually, not just free corporately. That's wonderful, and that is a byproduct, but it's a byproduct of being set free individually. God wants us to be free, but he starts by making sure I am free and you are free. So let's pick up this story in Mark chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1. You can follow along with me. We're going to talk about the day that Jesus went on a journey to set free one demon-possessed man. Look at verse 1 with me, Mark chapter 5. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, I want you to capture this image with me. Now, Jesus spent a lot of his time on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, the Bible says that his home base was the city of Capernaum. And on the west side of the Sea of Galilee was where a lot of real noble Jewish people lived. The east side of the Sea of Galilee was inhabited by Jewish people, but they tended to merge their lives with the pagan religions of the day. And so the interesting thing about those that lived on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee was that they mixed some of their worship practices with pagan practices, even to the point of raising pigs when a true, devout Jewish person would never come near a pig. So Jesus, again, verse 1, Then they came to the other side of the sea. They came to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, to the country of the Gadarenes. Verse 2, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones." So you have to get this. Jesus leaves his hometown of Capernaum on a boat, and he sails across the Sea of Galilee, which is really a giant freshwater lake. He's with his disciples, and they're making their way across the Sea of Galilee to go to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, where there were Jewish people who were intermixing their religious practices with paganism. 
And when they step off the boat onto the shore, they come to an area where there was a cemetery, and there was a man that was there that met him out of those tombs, and he had an unclean spirit. He literally was possessed by demons. It says he had his dwelling among the tombs. He was living in the cemetery. And it says no one could bind him. They couldn't even chain him. He was so strong because he had been possessed by these demon spirits that even the chains that they put on his wrists, on his ankles, would be broken off. He was tormented. It says night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. You see, torment, cutting, self-abuse, torment is not something that is reserved just to present day. I'm sure you've been around or you've experienced things in your family or seeing people around that are tormented in their mind. Often mental disorders, not always, but often mental disorders can be attributed to torment from demonic spirits. Now, could that be from choices that were made in the past? Maybe. Could it be because of drug abuse? Maybe. Could it be because of a demonic agenda over that person's life? Maybe. All of those things are possibilities. But honestly, in this case, this man was a lost cause. They couldn't help him. The people tried to chain him. They tried to apprehend him in such a way that he would no longer be a danger to people and to himself, but they couldn't contain him because he was so tormented. He was so bound by the satanic things that he was in torment and he was a fearful man among society. So look at what happens. Verse six, it says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. So let me just tell you right here, verse 6 declares what I've seen with my own eyes and what you may have seen as well. The demonic know exactly who Jesus is. And from afar, this man, possessed by these demon spirits, recognized the Son of God and ran to him and worshipped him. Now worship here meaning that they acknowledged, these demon spirits acknowledged who he was, bowed down before him. You see, when you have Jesus, when Jesus shows up on the scene, Every demon in hell stands to attention because the Son of God has come to set the captives free. Verse 7, And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now it's interesting because we see here that this is not just a tormented man crying out, but it was the demon spirits within the man. Verse eight, it says, for he, meaning Jesus, had said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he, again, referring to Jesus, asked him, what is your name? So you have to get this. Jesus has stepped off the boat. The man possessed by the demons has run up and begun to worship him, acknowledging who he was and began to beg that the demon spirits would not be tormented. And Jesus isn't playing any games because he declares, come out of him. And he even asked this question, what is your name? Now we realize that Jesus is not talking to the man. He's talking to the demon spirits who are trespassing in the heart, in the life of a son of God, someone who was created in the image of God. You see, Jesus is very interested in making sure that this one man encounters the love and the power and the authority of Almighty God. You know, Jesus, in many cases, could have been better served in our natural carnal way of thinking to hold a great big meeting, but Jesus goes across the Sea of Galilee to have an encounter with one man who is being tormented by the bondage of Satan. 
So verse 9 again, then he asked him, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. So the demon spirits that were infiltrating this man answered through the man's voice and says, my name is Legion. So a legion was a word that was used to describe a garrison of Roman soldiers, and it could refer to as many as up to 6,000 soldiers. And so this demon spirit is acknowledging that there is more than one, and actually, honestly, was most likely thousands of demons. No wonder this man was so strong to be able to break the shackles and the chains and to be able to present that fearful terror to this area to where people tried to bind him. But he wouldn't be bound and these people were so afraid of him. There were thousands of demon spirits tormenting this man. Now the Bible doesn't say what this man had done or what reason it was that he was filled with these demon spirits, only that Jesus stepped off the boat and had this encounter and this man runs to him under the demonic influence and has an interaction with the Son of God. Verse 10 says, Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Some versions say into the abyss or into the pit. Verse 11 says, Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. Now this gives us a little bit of a clue into what this side of the region might have been up to and maybe why this man had an open door to have so many demon spirits in him. These Jewish people were intermixing their worship with the pagan worship of the day and these Jewish people were raising pigs which was considered an unclean animal. They were compromising. They were in sin. They were rebelling against God. And anytime we rebel against God, anytime we operate out of unforgiveness and resistance to God's standard and in resistance to God's word, we literally open our hearts up to bondage from Satan. And so we see a a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. Verse 12 says, so all the demons begged him, begged Jesus saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. See, the demons knew where they needed to be. They needed to be in that unclean place. They didn't want to be in the clean place that God was moving in in this moment. Verse 13 says, and at once Jesus gave them permission. Now, I've often thought to myself, why didn't Jesus send them to the pit? And while I don't know all of the details about that, one of the things that I find interesting is that he did give them permission to go back to the place where they had authority, which was in that pagan worship. They had infiltrated this area and they were given permission to go back to the pigs. It says, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. Now that's profound. So this legion of demons just went into 2,000 pigs. It says here in the Bible, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So you have to see this. As soon as these demon spirits left this man and they filled these pigs, the pigs stampeded, headed towards the Sea of Galilee and drowned in the water. Now, I could just imagine those that watched this whole scenario were perplexed. Their eyes got big, their adrenaline began to rush, and they realized there's something significant about this man who just made this declaration for these demons to run into the pigs. Verse 14, we see the response. So those who fed the swine, 
Basically, the swine herders, the pig herders, they fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened. So you have to get this. All of those that were tending these 2,000 pigs, wide-eyed, realized something just happened and they ran back to the city. They ran back to the country. They ran back to the place where all of these people were in compromise and they declared something just happened. We just lost our, our whole herd of pigs and it was because of one man who came across the sea on a boat and declared to this man for those demons to be cast into the pigs. And it says, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. They were so curious about this freedom and about this happening that they ran to where Jesus was. It says in verse 15, then they came to see Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Ha. Huh. What an amazing picture this is, is this man was so well known and he had been attempted to capture him so many times. This city and this country knew about this man in the tombs and they ran out to see why the pigs had run into the sea and they saw this demon possessed man sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And all of a sudden they realized that God had just showed up. It says they were afraid. They realized something just happened. This man that they couldn't contain is now clothed and in his right mind. The pigs are dead and something has shifted. Bondage has given away to freedom. Verse 16, and those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon possessed and about the swine. Verse 17, then they begin to plead with him to depart from their region. Now, when I read that verse, it perplexes me because you would think that if they saw this man in freedom, they would rejoice and they would say, surely God is among us. But you know what they realized? That the compromise that was evident in the herding of pigs, they had been found out by God. All of a sudden, their compromise, their sin, their impurity was exposed and it says they begin to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. So friend, I want to encourage you this. Your freedom or your encounter with someone who is free is going to challenge you with the choices that you're making. You have the choice to be free or not to be free. And when you see that God is truly among you and he is asking you for your consecration, you have the decision to make to either be all in or to plead with God to depart from your region. So the question is this, are you willing to give up your compromise so that you can have God, or are you going to allow your compromise to cause you to push God out? Verse 18, probably one of the most grievous verses that you can read if you understand now the context. Verse 18 says, and when he, referring to Jesus, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. So get this, Jesus abides by their request. They could have had Jesus. They could have invited Jesus into their city and into their region to bring freedom, to bring the gospel, to bring breakthrough, to bring the work of the kingdom of God. But because they were unwilling to remove the compromise from their life and Jesus had exposed it for what it was, they were afraid and they pleaded with him to leave. And this phrase... Man, it grips my heart. It says, and when he got into the boat, he could have walked into their city, but he got back 
into the boat. So, so you're telling me that Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee to set one man free who could have been the key to revival in that whole entire area. But they asked him to depart. And so he did. Friend, let me encourage you. You need to be one and I need to be one that welcomes Jesus into our city, into our region, into our home, into our lifestyle, into our decisions. Because verse 18 tells us that he could get back into his boat. It says this, it says, He who had been demon-possessed, the man that got set free, he begged him that he might be with him. He wanted to get in the boat too. He was so amazed at his own freedom that Jesus had given him and he was in his right mind now that he wanted to go and he wanted to walk with Jesus. Verse 19 says, However, Jesus did not permit him but said to him, go home. Now, where is his home? His home is in the place that all of the others had resisted him coming to. This demon-possessed man, who was now free, lived in the city that had rejected Jesus. It says, however, Jesus did not permit him. He said, you can't come in the boat with me. You can't go with me. But he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. You know, this last year and a half that we've all walked through with the political unrest and the COVID restrictions and the arguments and the bickering and the religious fights and all this stuff that we've talked about on Foundation Stones before, you know what it shows me is that we live in a culture and in a society that truly doesn't know what real freedom is. They want to keep the pigs. (laughs) They want to keep the compromise. They want to keep their lifestyles and they don't like being confronted with the fact that the freedom giver is wanting to come into their city. And so while the city rejected Jesus, it didn't reject the man who was set free. So what does that mean for you and me? You know what it means for you and me? Is that even though our city, even though our workplace, even though our family may have rejected Jesus, we're still there. And as long as we have Jesus in our heart, we can go back to our city, back to our friends, back to our co-workers, back to our places of influence, and tell what great things Jesus has done for us. Friend, maybe you're relating with this man who was demon-possessed. Maybe you're relating with bondage. Maybe you used to be stuck on drugs or alcohol. Maybe you used to be in bondage in a sexually perverted relationship. Maybe you have had divisions in your life or unforgiveness or any number of things, a long laundry list of things that have kept you bound and now you're set free. Now Jesus has come into your life and the shackles and the chains are gone and the freedom is entered. And maybe the place you live has not welcomed Christ, but you live there. Can I tell you, you are the carrier of freedom. You are the one who is carrying the presence of Jesus. And I love what Jesus' instruction was to this demon-possessed man. He said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. You know, that testimony is so powerful because what you've gone through and what Jesus has done in your life, no one can argue with that because the life you live 
is the demonstration and the fruit of the goodness of God in your life. People will look at your life and go, you know, I might not like that it is acknowledging Jesus, but I can't deny that this person was bound and now they're free. They were absolutely depressed and now they have joy. They were addicted to drugs and alcohol and now they can't stand the stuff. They were in that compromised relationship and now they're set free from that and they're living in a lifestyle that actually honors God and they seem to have peace and they seem to have victory and they seem to have a favor that I need. You know, I could just imagine every time this man walked through the marketplace People would whisper and they would say, isn't that the guy? Isn't that the one that used to scream and cut himself over in the tombs? Isn't he the one that was naked and we couldn't even bind him with chains because he was so violent and now he's in his right mind and he's doing good? Isn't that the one? I wonder how that happened. And then someone else could say, you know, I heard him talking the other day and he keeps talking about a man named Jesus who came across the lake on a boat and gave me a life that I can now live in freedom because of God in heaven. You know, I, I don't know, but I wonder how many of the people over the course of time after Jesus left, but after the man went back into the city, I wonder how many of them came to know God for themselves. Friend, I don't know what your story may be doing to impact the life of someone else, but can I encourage you? Keep talking about freedom. Keep walking in freedom. Keep making sure you keep the pigs out of your life and keep the chains and the bondage out of your life. Keep repentant and walk in the freedom and the liberty of Christ. It's much more important than the liberty we have as a nation, even though we love that and we're so thankful for it. Because it truly is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He wants us to be free. He wants us to walk in victory, not just so that we can have a good life here on earth, but so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with others that are also bound. And so that one day when the trumpet blows or, or maybe when we draw our last breath, the relationship we have in our salvation in Jesus Christ will bring us the ultimate freedom of walking into eternity with Jesus in eternal life completely forgiven, completely unbound from the shackles of this world. That was the inheritance of this man. And amazingly, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that's our inheritance too. So friend, never, ever, ever take for granted the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank him for it. And then walk in it by sharing the freedom you have in Christ with someone else. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to pray this with me. Jesus, I need that freedom. I'm bound by addiction or I'm bound by compromise. And I ask you for forgiveness. I want to have the story of the man to walk into victory when I was in bondage, to walk in breakthrough when I was in chains. And I want to tell someone else about the compassion that you have had on me. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me a story to tell those that are still bound. And help me to walk in integrity and uprightness of heart, bringing praise to your name all the days of my life until my final breath. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friend, I appreciate you joining me for this 
foundation stones a little bit different verse by verse through Mark 5 verse 1 all the way to verse 20. I hope it gave you some enlightenment in the love and compassion of Christ. And I hope that you this week walk in the freedom of knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. May you add this to your foundation stones this week that you have been given freedom in Christ simply because God wants you free and he has an assignment for you into the future. Love you, friends. Can't wait to see you next week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us next time for another deep dive into the foundation stones of our faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about Refuge City Church or to join our giving team to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward and making resources like this podcast available into the future, visit refugecity.church.